Excellent. Welcome to the regular City Council meeting Tuesday, February 6, 2024, 5 p.m. This uh, We are now in order. Uh, Madam City Clerk, please call the roll. Thank you. Council Member Kaplan. Here. Mayor Pro Tem Talamantes. Here. Council Member Valenzuela. Here. Vice Mayor Maple. Here. Council Member Guerra. Here. Council Member Jennings. Here. Council Member Vang will be absent this evening, and Mayor Steinberg will join us momentarily. Thank you. We will start this evening with a special presentation by Councilmember Kaplan. Oh, I'm so sorry. Please forget, you can tell this is my first meeting. <laughs> so, Councilmember Valenzuela, will you please lead us in the land acknowledgement and pledge of allegiance? All right, please rise if you are able for the opening acknowledgement in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nisenan people, the Southern Maidu, Valley and Plains Miwok, Putwin Wintun peoples, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe. May we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contributions, and lives. Thank you. Now please salute and pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic Thank you. Thank you. And now for our first item, we will begin with a special presentation by Councilmember Kaplan. Thank you, Vice Mayor. Uh, and you look good in that seat. Just saying. Um, I, I am truly honored and would like to, because I don't want to make this, this speech while you're, you're sitting in the audience. I need to bring y'all uh, front, front stage. So if Tino, Antonio, and Brett can come up, and uh, also I think one of our fire captains is going to be joining them. So, and I do want to say uh, one other individual, David Jamison, was, was unable to join us tonight. But Tino, Antonio, we're here to honor you for saving the life of your colleague. And here's the thing you didn't know. On the morning of December 4th, you woke up and you were granted some angel wings you didn't see. And because of those wings, you were able to save a life. In life, miracles happen every day. They're like the small pebbles in the water where it ripples and it has the effect of going out over the water and we don't always see that, that effect. And here's the thing, our Department of Utility employees keep our city working every day. Our water clean, all of the equipment working, um, it is not always glamorous, but every day you do good as a city employee on behalf of our city. And on December 4th last year, you saved a life. You saved a life because you also took training you're not required to do. I am thankful for that. And even more so because you guys had those angel wings and we're there at the right time and the right place. And as I mentioned to you, it's personal to me. Eight years ago, because of individuals being in the right place and the right time and the training and heroic actions 
of our fire department, my husband's life was saved. And I was almost a single mom of a four-month-old and a three-year-old. I get to continue to have memories with my husband and my girls. What you guys did was allow memories to continue to be made for Brett. Those are heroic actions. When he collapsed, you sprung into action without a moment's hesitation. And everything worked accordingly, without fail, of making sure that the fire department and everybody was there at the right time and the right place. I could not be more honored to recognize you, to thank you, to thank you for being in the right place at the right time, to thank you for your selfless acts of doing training that only is gonna benefit somebody else and not yourself. I thank you for allowing us to start this council meeting in honoring you, honoring Brett, and thanking you for your service and what you've done. I'd like to just briefly turn it over to uh, our fire captain to say a couple words. Um, good evening, Mayor and Council Members. My name is Brian Moore, and I'm a fire captain and a paramedic for your fire department. For the last seven years in a row, the Sacramento Fire Department has won the highest award possible from the American Heart Association for the quality of our cardiac care. That award is only won by four other agencies in Northern California. In 2023, Sacramento City Fire Department EMTs and paramedics restored the heartbeat of 200 patients. In Brett Marston's instance, the CPR provided by his coworkers literally kept his brain alive until we could arrive and restart his heart. On Monday, December 4th, 2023, Brett Martin suddenly collapsed while working, while working in the well room at the Sacramento City Water Treatment Plant. His coworkers, Antonio Jimenez, and Tino Serini quickly called 911. Dispatcher Selena Anderson answered the call and coached Tino and David Jamison on how to better improve their CPR. Fire Engine 14 and Medic 256 arrived five minutes later. Um, Engine 14 that day was staffed by Fire Captain Paramedic Brandon Gobb, Engineer EMT Zeki Iskan, Firefighter Paramedic Ian Myers, and Firefighter EMT Julie Vang, she is, she is Council Member Vang's sister. <laughs> Medic 256 was staffed that day by Firefighter Paramedic Philip Smith and Firefighter EMT Nicholas Snyder. Firefighters took over CPR, provided continuous chest compressions and mechanically breathed for the patient. It took four shocks, five doses of two separate medications and several minutes for Mr. Martin's heart to begin pumping blood. Although his heart had been restarted, Mr. Martin was still critically ill. The crew from Engine 14 piled into the back of Medic 256 in order to continue care while on the way to the emergency room at Mercy General Hospital. En route to the ER, Mr. Martin slowly began to improve. By the time we wheeled the gurney into the emergency room, he was talking. After four days of treatment at the hospital, Mr. Martin got, home, got to go home to his wife. This is just one example of how we, the members of the Sacramento Fire Department, demonstrate our honor, courage, and devotion to the citizens of Sacramento. And so I think that deserves a round of applause. Oh, wow. <clears throat> Tino, Antonio, a couple of words, if you'd like to say anything. Uh, Tino. <laughs> I just want to thank you. Uh, 
Mr. Mayor and council members, I wanna thank all you guys for allowing us to promote this uh, CPR training and awareness, uh, especially Ms. Lisa Kaplan. I thank you for your kind words. Uh, the way everything happened definitely was miraculous. And what's interesting is months prior to this, we had a, and I also wanna thank the fire department because they were truly key in all this. Uh, I had a fireman, I was in a training uh, class and he stopped the training class and basically explained to everybody, make sure you guys have this type of training because it's very important. You may be the only thing that keeps your friend, your mother, your daughter alive. Those were his words. And the whole class kind of stopped and listened. Little did we know that in just a few short months, we would be in that situation. So I, I want to champion this whole idea for everybody here. Uh, if you ever get the opportunity to take this training, please take it. Our department, you guys, the city of Sacramento promotes it. They offer it. It is not mandatory, but I urge everyone to take it. It's extremely important. Thank you. Either. Or so you can just be, your, your, your presence is enough. <laughs> the thanks have been, have been received. Um, so I have a couple of resolutions that I would like to present to you. Um, if we can come up and, and take a picture down below, we'll, we'll move kind of to the side so you guys can come in.
I know that there's going to be a, a um, public press event highlighting this heroic action again tomorrow morning. I look forward to uh, being there and saying thank you again publicly. Thank you, Councilmember Kaplan, for bringing that forward. Okay, Eric, did you have a comment? Uh, uh, for, consent. for consent calendar. Okay. <clears throat> so, members, we now move to the consent calendar. I know uh, item 10, Councilmember Vang, involves an issue in her district. Hey, uh, Mayor, excuse me. I just wanted to make, there's nothing to report out from closed session. I'm sorry? Oh, nothing to report out of closed session. Okay, thank you. Item 10, um, we're going to continue at Councilmember Vang's request. She's ill uh, tonight. We'll be here next week. So let's make sure the maker of the motion includes uh, continuing item 10. Are there questions on the consent calendar or items that members want to be heard or voted on separately? Eric, on, um, uh, after public comment, I'll take uh, comments on item number five. On item number five. Okay, thank you. Mayor, I also have comments on item five. Okay. Thank you very much. Any other items? All right. Uh, we have public testimony on the consent calendar, Madam Clerk. Um, yes, Mayor, I have seven speakers on the consent calendar. The first is Isaac Gonzalez on item four, Annette Emery on item five, then Lambert on eight. Good evening, Mr. Mayor, City Council. My name is Isaac Gonzalez. I'm the founder of Slowdown Sacramento, an organization committed to ensuring the safety of all road users by promoting safer driving habits through advocating for improved road designs. Firstly, I want to express our strong support for the consent agenda item tonight to lower speed limits on three critical corridors known for speeding issues. This decision is a positive step toward enhancing road safety and protecting our community's most vulnerable members, including pedestrians, cyclists, and others who share our streets. However, while lowering speed limits is a move in the right direction, it is but one piece of the puzzle in our quest to eliminate dangerous driving behaviors. To truly transform our streets into safer spaces, we must also focus on making structural changes to the built environment. This includes lane reduction with implementing cost-effective quick-build solutions, principles of tactical urbanism, which have proven effective in calming traffic and reducing accidents without the need for extensive budgets or prolonged project timelines. We advocate for the adoption of a citywide policy that empowers our engineers to utilize these innovative tools to their efforts to design safe streets. Such a policy would enable us to respond more swiftly to safety concerns rather than being, being constrained by the lengthy process required for securing multi-million dollar grants or launching decade-long projects. By combining immediate actions like speed limit reductions with strategic changes to our streetscapes, we can create an environment that naturally encourages safer driving behaviors. Let's not wait for another report of a preventable tragedy to take the next steps. We have the knowledge and the means to make a difference right now. What we need is the collective will to put these solutions into action. So thank you for your time on this critical matter, for considering the broader implications of road safety strategies. I hope that together we can build a more safer and inclusive Sacramento for everybody who calls it home. And I want to invite you all to my traffic safety forum coming up on March 2nd in Tahoe Park. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Annette Emery, Lambert, then Ryan Masano.
Good evening. I'm Annette Emery. I'm a resident of Sacramento and a member of the Gardenland Northgate Neighborhood Association. And my neighborhood is filled with streets that are two lanes in each direction plus a left turn lane, and they're treated like super freeways. So anything we can do to slow down would be really great. It becomes to the point where I do ride a bike. Sometimes cars will pass me in the bike lane because people going speed limit, they're going, no, that's too slow for me. Um, and it makes it really difficult when, when you're saying, let's walk, and people are going, it's too dangerous. We need to have safety with slower traffic, and it's also good for the environment since higher, higher traffic means, you know, it's poor air quality. Um, I noticed on the list one of the places mentioned was a Northgate to Colfax. I drive that a lot, and you are basically almost getting a sign saying, go as fast as you want. It's just you start going over the Arden Garden connector, and pretty soon you are going 50, 60 miles an hour. So anything we can do to start slowing down traffic is very much appreciated. We have our future to think of that. Do we want to continue to go and keep encouraging cars and having bicycles and walkers as like, oh, those other things that we don't have to worry about, along with transit. So please, I do support uh, measures actually four and five. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Lambert, Ryan Masano, then Julius Giles, then Keon Bliss. Put this up there. Go ahead and get started, then I can okay. do that. I'm speaking on number eight. Uh, I would like to say that uh, this is one department in the city manager's office that impresses me. You have to have integrity to impress me in City Hall. And uh, Megan and also this department, Office of Arts and Culture, this is the example you should use for diversity, inclusion, and equity because Megan, who I met at an event in District 2, and also I think her name is Melissa, uh, they talked about diversity, inclusion, equity, and I challenged them. I said, uh, I grew up in District 2. My roots go as deep as 1946 when my parents moved here, and I challenged them to help a group that I supported in District 2. And last year, they supported the Grant Drumline. They actually funded them, and they should fund them. They go all over the world, and they make Sacramento look well. How many groups can say that, that have no scandals? They have no scandals with them. They just went to Europe, no problems. Why? Because it's integrity. Now, this sign, this, this note up here, I know you'll be proud, Mayor, I hope and the rest of you up there too, this shows integrity too. This is to the Bay and Back Cheesecakes being endorsed by the Better Business Bureau saying that we had no complaints. That's a miracle to have no complaints in the food industry. Anything can go wrong. And there have been companies that have been funded that have had many complaints. And we've had tremendous difficulties receiving funding from the city manager's office. Pay attention to that.
speakers, Ryan Masano. Following Mr. Masano is Julius Giles, then Keon Bliss, then Mac Worthy. Good evening, uh, Ryan Masano of MasanoNews.com. I want to thank the courteous members of the audience, which is 90%. Even thankful for the hecklers, most paid, many brainwashed to make sure videos of what I say get millions of views. Um, on number 11, the behavior leader, uh, that's 590,000 that's thrown down the toilet. You have massive crime problems, you have massive homeless problems, uh, wasting money on something that does not exist, the whole systemic racism, when there is absolutely no objective evidence that that exists, and if anyone disagrees, you can bring me proof of that, is a waste of our time and money. Um, those who love truth and virtue love what I say. Those who are corrupt and deceived hate what I say. Sacramento doesn't have a skin problem. Sacramento has a sin problem. Um, if human rights and treating humans fairly is so important to you, then why do you hypocritically support Israel, whose first prime minister, David Ben-Gurion, supported the blowing up of the King David Hotel and the killing of 100 innocent people? Uh, point of order. Excuse me, point of order. Um, this is relating to items on consent and the items he is Does speaking relate. about is not on consent. I declare Mr. Uh, Masano out of order. Well, I am speaking, in order. His speaking is done. Thank I you. I am Next in speaker. order. Next I, I'm speaker. not going anywhere. I have Next 49 speaker. seconds left. No, I'm not. I'm not going anywhere. Well, let's read the, let's read the warning to the gentleman then. It's, it's on the topic. I'm not going anywhere. Re You're out of order. You've been out of order as mayor of Sacramento for your entire term. Government Matter of fact, everyone up there is out of order. Lisa Kaplan throws a temper tantrum every single time. She's always out of order. Matter, jurisdiction of the legislative body. Please proceed if you have comments under the jurisdiction of the city of Sacramento and on the consent Yet calendar. you have Israel in your uh, jurisdiction, but an American citizen is I not in your now? jurisdiction? That's nonsense. Mr. Masano, are you going to sit down? I'm going to stand right here. All right, we're going to take a 10-minute recess. And we're going, we're going to take a 10-minute recess, and, and we're going to, and we're going to make sure that Mr. Masano leaves and does not come back tonight. Thank you. I am coming back. Council's back in session. Please call the next speaker. On the consent, we're still on the consent calendar. Thank you, Mary. I have three more speakers. Julius Giles, Keon Bliss, then Mac Worthy. Julius is speaking on item 11, <coughs> Keon on 14, and Mac Worthy on 21. Oh, just one moment. Okay. Let me make sure your mic's on. Uh, can you guys hear me? Yes. One, wait one sec, please. We're just trying to get the, the mic on. Go ahead. Please proceed. Okay. Um, item 11, that was about diversity. Am I correct on that one? Uh, it was? Okay. I, I wanted to speak on that just real quick. The, the issue I have with the whole diversity thing, and I, the, the biggest problem I have is that it's always about a certain group of people, but it's never about all people. It's not diversity of thought. It's about just race, 
uh, your sexuality, all that bullcrap, your gender, things like that. It's never about all people. So when we're trying to like fund programs to help out underrepresented people, why not just help out all people and not just people of based on race? Because that alone makes it racist. If you think that people are, you know, are less than based on race, you guys laugh. You guys laugh, but they're the ones calling you guys dumb. They, they think all you guys are dumb because you guys are black, your, your sexuality, all that kind of stuff. Speak to the council. You need to speak to the city council. Yeah, I'm just letting everybody know that you guys think that they're less than because of their race. And I'm actually defending you guys because these people don't care about you. That's the problem. You, you guys sit there and look at us like we're peasants, but you guys work for us. We don't work for you. And you have to remember that. That's what I'm saying. You guys sit there with the smirk on your face like, oh, he's just talking. But you tell us every single day that we're less than because of our race, or because of our sex, because of our sexuality. That's bull crap. You guys work for us. You're supposed to do things to help us out. We're not here to put money in your pockets. You help the community out. Now we help out your community, your gated areas. We're not here to do that for you guys. And you guys should know that. We're your constituents. So don't treat us like we're less than based on race. That makes you guys racist. So that's all I want to say. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Our next speaker is Keon Bliss, then Mac Worthy. I'm here to talk about item 14, uh, which is allocating or shifting funds um, uh, in order to reimburse uh, or in order to pay for an updated video wall to the Sacramento Police Department's real-time crime center. Um, while I see that the Sacramento Regional Transit District is willing to cover up to half of that, I'm really wondering why when all of you are aware that we're about to approach a $56 million budget deficit, we're even spending a dime to just upgrade a video wall that was installed as recently as 2016. I don't know about the rest of you, like about many of you, but uh, TVs in most homes tend to last at least a decade, if not more. And I can only imagine the level of quality uh, and uh, longevity of government and institutional uh, equipment that is purchased, uh, not through regional, like not through just regular commercial uh, retailers, but through uh, dedicated technology uh, corporations or whatnot that specialize in this equipment. I'm really wondering why this is necessary and also if it is any kind of expenditure that's coming out of a different budget, such as the capital improvements project, why isn't this going through the budget and audit committee first for that committee to actually discuss uh, the merits of that before bringing it up and putting it on the consent calendar? These are really quite like important questions about process, uh, which as some people know, we are, like, we are supposed to be a democracy, you are supposed to be working for us. It really would behoove this council and the public to really ask ourselves, why does the police department or the regional transit authority need a new, uh, to upgrade its video wall? I didn't see any actual rationale for that other than, oh, we just need to keep up with the times. Well, it hasn't even been 10 years old at least. Why are we spending $300,000 to upgrade it now during a budget deficit? Thank you for your comments. Your time is complete. Mac Worthy is our final speaker on the consent calendar, and he's speaking on item 21. Good afternoon, people. We don't want another dime spent on no homeless whatever until we see an audit of where did all that money go. 
we want audit. We want that audit from a private sector, not in-house audit. I can do it if you give me the what the treasury deposit is coming. Then I ask you, was it feasible spending that coming? It's pitiful. The deficit that we are facing now, the city manager knew that. Were you using uh, silicon money and had to give it back and then become a deficit? Tell the people the truth. Audit the legal California citizens here and they talk about the money, silicon Valley money. I was in that building for 28 years. That was created to have more money at local level. But what did they do with it? Well, I was Bank of America so would tell these people the truth instead of keep lying to them about the money. You are abusing the taxpayers' money because you don't have the ability to invest the money. I tried to get an idea in from a longtime associate of mine, a Bill Burke. Equity in your house, put it together with a broker from a bank and let the public uh, accept it when the property is built and everybody would be getting some money. No, you don't want to do that because independent equality is in that. You want to depend on you where you run a whole house government. What can a whole do other than depend on the pimp? And that's what you all do. Wake up, people. When you do stuff in the neighborhood, bring some people in from the private sector. Understand free enterprise. Free enterprise is the way this country is built and it's going down the tube on bullshit. Don't make sense. Wake up. Mayor, I have no more speakers on the consent calendar. All right, thank you very much. I know we had uh, two members who wanted to speak on items five, and that is uh, Council Members Geta and Maple. Councilmember Guetta, I think you were first. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Mayor. Um, first, uh, I want to uh, uh, say how grateful um, and proud I am for today taking an action that uh, is not an easy one given the restrictive, restrictive laws at the state level to reduce speed limits. And we're going to be taking an action today to reduce the speeds on uh, 21st Avenue, uh, a corridor that links a community center with community, that links uh, two elementary schools uh, with community that links a high school with community and a library with community uh, in an area where we're trying to encourage more pedestrian activity, more bikeways, and uh, encourage our young people to take advantage of this area. Um, but with that, I know how difficult it is to reduce these speeds. And we've looked at a number of corridors, and the state law rubric um, that restricts our ability to do that says that it's the 85 percentile. Well, when people are driving well above the 85 percentile, it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy that will increase speeds. And so I would like to uh, move not only this consent calendar, but also to provide direction to the city manager and staff to uh, advocate at the state level to en encourage that as part of our Vision Zero policy on changing that rubric and also uh, I'd uh, request to my colleague, uh, Councilmember Kaplan, who's on the board for the League of Cities, if, uh, if she can bring the, those efforts there. And I know you do a lot of that work because you walk, do the walk uh, train with your school uh, every day and see the speeds in that. With that, Mr. Mayor, I also uh, want to thank uh, JoJo, Megan, and David from um, our Public Works Department 
for this effort. I know you, in earnest, tried to do as much as you could and as many roadways as you could, uh, and have also looked at all the different speed bumps and speed lumps to reduce it around our schools. With that, Mr. Mayor? Continue item 10 as well, please. Yes, uh, I'll move this item and continue item 10 for uh, update. calendar and continue. Yep, exactly. Item. Continue. Oh, Okay. Just wanted to make sure that item 10 was, was part of that. Thank you. Councilmember Maple. Thank you, Mayor. Sounds like there's a second and a third. So that's good. <laughs> um, I won't, I won't uh, belabor this because uh, my, my colleague, Councilmember Geyer, um, made wonderful comments. I just really want to appreciate this project, especially for the enhancement of pedestrian crossings at Alhambra and X Street. So in our uh, Vision Zero plan, this is one of those high injury network corridors. Um, we see a lot of incidents here. Um, and many of this is right down the street from high school, right down the street from an elementary school and a middle school. It's right across the street for, where we have many community gatherings and um, it's just an area where there's a lot of pedestrian traffic. And so, as you all know, it's really hard to get these dollars. We don't necessarily have it in the budget on, on our own. And so I really appreciate our staff for working hard to make sure that, that we take every opportunity that we can to get these dollars into our budget to make our streets safer. Um, so just really appreciate you all. Thank you. Thank you, Councilmember Maple. All right, we we ha uh, Vice Mayor, excuse me. We have a motion um, and a second um, on the consent calendar, including item ten being continued. All in favor, please say aye. Aye. aye opposed, abstain. That passes eight to nothing. We now move to the discussion calendar. And we we number which one needs a vote? Well, they have seven. A seven, though. Sorry, that's right. <clears throat> I, I I was good at math. Okay, uh, let's move to the discussion calendar item twenty-two. <laughs> Mr. Donato. Uh, good evening, uh, Mayor and Council. I am Aaron Donato, your Labor Relations Manager, and agenda item twenty-two includes the appointment of Farishta Arari as interim city auditor and approves her interim hourly rate of pay at $75.075,000 an hour. Additionally, as a result of her interim appointment to uh, interim city auditor, uh, Ms. Arari will receive all of the benefits provided in the unrepresented resolution, just like other unrepresented staff. Thank you, and that concludes my report. Mayor, I do have one speaker on this item. Please. Mac Worthy. I don't know why we don't try to educate the public on what's going on here. The city charter is your problem. We want to see it open up. We want to know what is your agenda when those meetings and what was public comments in those meetings. Now, audit. You don't have to pay that money to a person. You can get a firm outside, a CPA from the outside, and do the proper thing with the audit. Because there are strings tied to put people on your payroll. Because just for instance, we heard the budget of the police department, but did nobody mention for towing the police department gets a cut? Wake up, people. I'm not a dumb fool. I've been here for 82 years, and not depending on no government, Free enterprise. Teach these people something about free enterprise and track you with what you are doing with the money. You are abusing the taxpayer's dollar. That's what you are doing. The audit, we had an audit on the arena. They told us about the employment. Where is those boys that could pass the urine test? 
Where are those that couldn't pass the urine test? Are they in jail? Look at the police department, what they got of the ambassadors. Did they get a urine test? They are using those against the others. I can show proof of it, of a case of a friend of mine's grandson. Wake up. We want to know how much you are paying them to snitch on the others. Willie Lynch told them to slavery, pin them against each other and control them. And that's what you're doing. That's a disgrace to the police department to reach out to that type of punks and skunks in order to put somebody in jail. It's pitiful. Mary, I have no more speakers on this item. All right, thank you. I've got Councilmember Talamantes and Vice Mayor Maple, and I'll make a comment. I'd like to move item 22 to make Farishta the interim city auditor. Wonderful. Uh, so just congratulations, Farishta. Um, she's currently the city's assistant. Okay, you want to come on up? Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's currently the city's assistant city auditor um, and has been with us for about 10 years, has her CPA, is an alumni of UC Davis, um, right? Yes. yes. That's, that's, I just want to make sure. Um, but I know that you have really important projects um, ahead of the city council here, including the police department's evidence and property division, our city's homelessness response, uh, utilities water and wastewater funds review, ethics commission, animal care services, cannabis business, business operations tax, and you just have so many projects underway, and just congratulations. I know you're qualified. I know you're ready to do this job, and looking forward to working with you. Thank you. Thank you. Vice Mayor? Yes, thank you, Mayor. And I just wanted to, well, I don't, congratulate in advance. Don't want to presume to know uh, what my colleagues will do, but I uh, just really want to really appreciate the, your service to the city of Sacramento, the amount of years that you've been here. And just want to state for the community, for the audience as well, how important it is that we have someone who's already in that department who already knows what's going on with these various audits, as, as uh, Councilmember Talamantes mentioned, there's many that are already underway, and these are really big, important audits that we need to help make policy decisions here at the City of Sacramento, and we need to make sure that we have someone who's already in, who understands how the process works. Um, so I'll just, I'll repeat what she said. You're qualified, you're ready, um, and congratulations in advance. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, let me add my congratulations as well. Um, you um, are the right person for this job, and um, you've demonstrated um, such ability, and, and that fine line between arm's length and collaboration, which is a tough line for an auditor, you've demonstrated that. And um, we're really happy that you're willing to take this, this on. City Auditor, for those uh, watching and interested, is actually one of the tougher jobs uh, a lot of tough jobs, but it's tough because you um, have an obligation to sometimes report things that are not, um, do not necessarily make others in the city happy. And that's your job, right? To make the city better. And at the same time, you work within the city to make the city better. And it's, it is that fine line that um, I know you understand and uh, we'll do a good job, a great job on behalf of the city. So congratulations to you. Thank you. Do you want to say anything? Your, your, uh, your first speech as the interim city auditor? Five minutes long. Not really. I just uh, appreciate um, that you guys have that confidence and know that I have that ability to, to get the job done. And I'm going to do my best to, to do that. Thank you. Very good. All right. I think we can call for a voice vote here. All in favor, please say aye. Aye. 
Aye. Opposed, I'm saying that's seven to nothing. <laughs> Would have been eight, but uh, thank you. Thank you very much. All right, uh, members, that actually concludes the formal uh, items on the agenda. I'm going to begin tonight, um, and it'll only take a few minutes, with council ideas and questions, um, including an adjourn in memory that we weren't able to get to uh, two weeks ago. And I know Vice Mayor Maple has an adjourn in memory. Maybe I'm going to start. Is that okay? Um, <clears throat> so Sacramento um, lost a dear colleague several weeks ago. Councilmember Lauren Hammond. Uh, Lauren served on the city council for, um, for I believe, 12 years, three terms, worked 22 years in the California State Senate, had a number of very important public roles, both in the community uh, and in uh, formal service. And I know I had the privilege when I was a much younger man of uh, sitting in Councilmember Geddes' seat, District 6, and Councilmember Hammond sat where Vice Mayor Maple is sitting now. Actually, not so in the, older, in the, in the old city council chambers. And Lauren Hammond was a unique leader and unique person. She would tell it like it is. Um, and... Whether you agreed with her or disagreed with her, she was not afraid ever of controversy and of speaking her piece. And she did it with a smile and with um, an inherent kindness about her. She was the kind of person who you could have a political disagreement with and then the next day uh, get together for a cup of coffee and talk about anything and think about how you were going to work together on next item. Great sense of humor. Loved this community so much. I mean, her work, mentoring, and I know some of my colleagues will uh, speak more directly to this, but her work mentoring young elected officials, especially young women, was um, unselfish and, she, and exemplary in the way she did it. And she died too early. She died suddenly. I know I had a, a social cup of coffee with her right before the holidays. And it was just so nice to, to remember that even after all the arguments and the fights in politics, that we all do our best and we're all here to try to do the right thing by the people. And that was Lauren Hammond. And she is survived by her wife, Margaret Mayer, who a wonderful person who also worked for the Senate for so many years. Her siblings, Marcia, David, Carol, and Kevin Hammond. Her aunt, Fran Purton, who I've also known for years, and cousin Reuben, niece and nephew, Claire and Miles, nieces Emily and Lindsay Powers, along with many Maher nieces and nephews, and her goddaughter, Alana Bristow, and sister, Lauren George. Her, her cherished dog, her canine companion, Finn, and numerous, numerous additional extended family members, colleagues, and maybe most important, an enduring legacy, not only in District 5, but in Sacramento. So we want to adjourn at the end of the meeting tonight, because we're going to have a significant amount of public testimony at the end of the meeting, in honor of our friend, our colleague, beloved Sacramentan, Lauren Hammond. I know my colleagues or all up, maybe you want to speak on that, and maybe you have other things that you want to announce here tonight. Uh, Vice, uh, 
Council Member Guetta, excuse me. Thank, thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, I'll, uh, I'll focus my comments on um, the adjourned memory uh, for, of Lauren Hammond. And uh, just, just like you and I, um, you know, we're part of the, the Senate staffer family. And um, she gave me a lot of advice about what it was like to have two roles, to be able to, you know, uh, work for the public and then um, serve for the public in both capacities. And I remember meeting Lauren Hammond when I was uh, a, uh, um, uh, the, uh, on the board for the Tahoe Park Neighborhood Association. Uh, because back then the old district represented West Tahoe Park and uh, Colonial Heights. Um, uh, and, uh, and so she was one of the few council members that represented both sides of Stockton Boulevard. And a lot of us were very concerned about the issues happening on Stockton Boulevard. Some of the things we took action today on ro roadway safety, um, the things that we were going to hear during the budget presentation about uh, supporting the issues of human trafficking on Stockton Boulevard, working on the issues of uh, many of the women who were uh, found themselves victims uh, in, in um, uh, victims and survivors of human trafficking on the boulevard. Uh, and she, you know, never, was always relentless, never let anyone, you know, pull a fast one for her district and for her community. The, even when, uh, after her time on the council, um, I remember uh, her immediate engagement on the Stockton Boulevard partnership. She left uh, being a member, not only as a council member, but then as a community member and actively engaged in everything uh, part of that. Uh, to that point where, you know, just a few days before she passed away, she, she and I had a conversation where um, she was uh, uh, talking about the, the need to address, uh, you know, the, the mental health and substance abuse issues happening on the boulevard and, so, and working jointly with businesses and actively. And also to say that, you know, giving kudos and defending my staff in a tough situation, young staffers who are just into that. So I really appreciate her consistent engagement in all her, her career. Um, I want to also recognize her work um, in the National uh, Political Women's Caucus and her support for organizations um, like St. John's Center for Real Change that's in District 6. Uh, and, and finally, um, you know, uh, for those of you uh, know that I'm a proud Sac State alum, um, uh, she was w one of the very few selected as, uh, as the uh, uh, distinguished alumni recipients from Sacramento State. I'm uh, very proud to, to uh, have had her as uh, someone that I work collaboratively in the community with, uh, but more so just being able to uh, see her um, and be part of that revitalization of a community that, that had been left behind. Um, and, you know, I think, Mr. Mayor, you know, I don't, I th I don't know if you'll announce, but I, we will be at Sac State celebrating. There will be a celebration um, um, at her alma mater. And... Um, you know, uh, join you in the adjourned memory for uh, our former colleague and uh, uh, council member, Lauren Hammond. Thank you. Council member Jennings. Thank you, Mayor. Um, Lauren Hammond, um, a lot has been said about her. And um, for me, um, just her being the first African-American elected to the city, city of Sacramento City Council lets you know a lot about her. Uh, she wasn't afraid of the moment. She was a pioneer. She was a servant leader. She was someone, as has already been mentioned, 
who stepped up and it was not going to take any prisoners once she knew that she was right about whatever she was going to talk about. I'll tell you a quick story about her and I and our relationship. Um, I think I was older than Lauren. I'm pretty certain I was, so I should have been the big brother. But Lauren treated me like I was a little brother. There was a situation in her district, which I happened to start representing with the redistricting, where the city water uh, treatment plant started smelling. And she had had enough of it. And so she called me and says, I've already called you once and told you, you need to do something about this. And I can smell this every single night, and it's affecting my ability to sleep. And so you need to do something about that. And so I worked, and I worked, and I worked, and it wasn't enough. I wasn't able to get enough done. She says, all right, I'm going to help you, but I'm going to tell you one time how to get this done. I'm going to show you how to do it, and after that, you're going to be on your own because I'm not going to come back and do this again. And she did. She came and she taught me how to work within the system, how to get the thing done. She taught me all of her experience and showed me how to work in order to make sure that smell went away. And we were able to do that together. And, and it was something that I'll remember as long as, as, I, as I serve, is that sometimes you have to just shut up and let a true leader show you the way. Lauren Hammond was one of those true leaders that showed people the way, people like myself who may have a big ego, but it didn't know what I didn't know. But now I know. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you very much, Councilmember Jennings. Uh, Mayor Pro Tem Telemontes. Uh, Lauren was fierce. She was funny. She was smart and intelligent, full of truths, even if you don't want to hear them. <laughs> love Sacramento. Um, love mentoring women like me and many of us sitting here up here tonight. Uh, she gave us words of encouragement. She kept us going when things get tough. She was always a phone call away. Um, she was a hero. And my goal is to be like Lauren Hammond. She will be missed. And I'm looking forward to honoring her life on Friday. Thank you so much, Mayor Pro Tem. Councilmember Kaplan. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I think. Colleagues, each of you have a story of, of Lauren, but in reality, what the, what, what the similarities is, is Lauren was unapologetically Lauren. There was, um, she was okay with who she was, what she believed in, and what she stood for. I can tell you, um, as a young school board member in the 2000s, still in my 20s, and she was still on the city council, uh, I had the opportunity to meet her, and I still remember that. She scared me. <laughs> Lauren, Lauren, Lauren knew how to set you on the right path. Um, she was never mean about it, but like you said, Council Member Jennings, you better listen, because she was gonna tell you once, and you better follow that path. And, you, and, and if you messed up, you better be coming and saying why you messed up, very detailed, uh, you know. Uh, and I do remember that, that toughness, smart. Um, and she was a champion for women, whether she agreed with you or not. And that was something that somewhat set her above the rest, 
is she didn't have to agree with your politics. She didn't have to agree where you stood on things, but she always recentered, and especially amongst women, said you are in a safe space to be who you are. And that is something she gave to many of us and generation of women of being okay with who we are and not being apologetic about that. And that is a true gift that Lauren gave to many of us uh, who have followed behind her. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor. Um, and just really want to echo everything that's been said here. And um, I had the opportunity to meet Lauren um, after her time in, in serving on the council and in politics. And um, it was just so shocking, you know? But like, just I remember the, the day I got the text, and, you know, unironically, it was a text of, as a group text of a bunch of women. And, and we're all like, what? How is this possible? Um, and every single person on that chain had a story at least one, <laughs> of a way that she had helped, had guided, um, sometimes had put us in our place. Um, and that was who she was. Uh, I think, you know, and, and one thing that comes to mind for me is, you know, she re really didn't know me much at all. Um, and something had happened in my life and, and she called me out of the blue and just said, how can I help you? What can I do? And I was just like, I don't, what? And she did, uh, and she stepped up and did what she said she was going to do, um, and, and we, we formed a friendship after that, and I just really um, am going to miss her. And I think a lot, that's true of a lot of people in this town, and I look forward to honoring her as well on Friday. If I keep it together, uh, I also have an adjourned memory for uh, Marshall Dean. So it, it's my honor today, and I believe that we might be joined, um, if they're here, with members of his family, his sisters, Helen and Dawn. Um, Marshall Dean uh, was a hugely influential artist in, the, in our community. Um, he was a Sacramento native that grew up in Oak Park and attended Sac High and went on to study art and photography at Chico State. After graduating from college, Marshall traveled the nation and grew his artistic journey, visiting New York, Oakland, Los Angeles, and other places, and brought his experiences home to Sacramento as the co-founder of Kumba Collective Art Gallery. In addition, Marshall exhibited his art across the community, including at Sojourner Truth, African Heritage Museum, the Brickhouse Gallery, the African Marketplace, Phantom Galleries, and more. Marshall was especially recognized for his groundbreaking mud cloth madness installation that was exhibited at the Crocker, in which he gathered local and regional black artists to create works inspired by mud cloth and used as an opportunity to educate people about the history, culture, and traditions embedded in that material. Most importantly, Marshall, throughout his life, worked incredibly hard to uplift and support other black artists in Sacramento, and he will be remembered and honored as a tireless advocate for public art and for black artists to have the space, resources, and support that they need to develop their work. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you. We'll make sure that we adjourn in Marshall Dean's memory in addition to our colleague, Councilmember Lauren Hammond. All right, that is council ideas and questions. We now get to public testimony on items not on the agenda. Um, and I wanna explain to everyone who is here tonight how uh, I intend as the presiding officer to proceed with this discussion. Two weeks ago, as you know, we had almost 80 speakers on the question of a ceasefire resolution um, at, at the city of Sacramento. And uh, testimony was passionate 
uh, and I know I listened intently and heard you. Now tonight, people are back, as is your right, uh, to speak your truth to power uh, in this democracy and in this city. I know that I represent, as mayor, an entire community with deeply divided points of view on the question of any particular ceasefire resolution and or whether or not the city council itself should actually entertain a ceasefire resolution. Earlier this afternoon, I convened a very honest and cordial meeting between leaders of the Sacramento Jewish Federation and leaders of CARE, among other leaders from each respective community. They have committed over the next days uh, to meet intensively to work towards a common community position on what we do here. And I think that's really important because <clears throat> Because if it doesn't come from the community, and I mean all of the community, and if it doesn't serve to not only speak everyone's respective truth, where there is disagreement, but also serve to heal and bring our interfaith community together, then any resolution, which I know many of you in the audience here want today, and there are some here in the audience from the Jewish and other communities that, that oppose it, if the community does not work together to recommend to us how we might move forward together in a way that it is healing, as I've expressed in writing many times, I share many of the sentiments uh, that the, the people from the Muslim American, Palestinian American communities have expressed. But if it doesn't bring our communities and people together in some way, I worry and fear that it is gonna be more divisive and inflame tensions. That's just my position. So tonight, you have the right to speak, but we're not, we have 71 speakers, and we're not going to do it the same way tonight. Instead, what I'm going to do is allot an hour for this discussion, one hour. And so that would allow from the pro-ceasefire uh, public testimony, not on the agenda group here, to pick 15 people. Pick 15 people. Nope. Dude, yes, I do. To big, I will hear. I will hear. I will hear. I, I, I will hear. I will hear the first 15 people, and then we'll hear 15 people from the other side, and then we will adjourn. Call the first speaker, please. Call the first speaker. Can you turn on the mics? Excuse me, you have not been called. Sit down. I know. But I had a question. Here is your choice. If you want to if you want to continue shouting, we're going to ask you to leave. Read the warning. Do you please. want to continue shouting? Read the please warning. Do, please do not disrupt the orderly conduct of these. Ma'am, you need to sit down. You want order. Do you want order? You're now in violation of chapter 5 of the council rules of procedure. If you continue, you'll be directed to leave the meeting. No. Ask. You need to sit down, I'm ma asking. I'm not, a, you're not the presiding officer. Thank you for whatever you're trying to do, but please sit down. I understand. Please sit down. Thank you. All right. Call the first speaker. We will hear from 15 we people. We two minutes. No, we get two minutes each. We don't get to count that an hour. Please do not. 
did not disrupt the orderly conduct in the proceedings by continuing to speak from the audience. All right, we are, you're in violation. We are going to reset. We are going to recess for 15 minutes. I would encourage the leadership to please pick 15 people, and we will come back and hear you. We're in recess. We're in recess for the next 15 minutes. We can restart our video stream. All right, thank you. Uh, we are back in session after a brief recess. I think that it might be a good idea that we start with the public comments not on the agenda from some of the other issues uh, and speakers representing some other issues tonight. I know that there are some people from North Sacramento who want to who want to talk about Del Paso Heights. Okay, so why don't you line up? Okay, we're going to do it a little differently here tonight. How many are you? Five. Excuse me, Mr. Davis. You're going to have to sit down, Mr. Davis. So we're discriminating against people who aren't part of that group and are 15. We're not, I'm not a group. We're just all from the same community. Different issues. And not, not just let him go. Let it go. Take your time. Please. Yes. Say your name, please, for the record, everybody. Thank you. This is a lawsuit in the future. Don't be sure to make your public comment. Don't fucking shush me. <laughs> I'd like to remind, remind members of the public who wish, the wish to address the council, you should have um, completed a speaker slip. We were no longer accepting speaker slips. Speakers will have two minutes to address the council so that everyone has the opportunity to address the council. Members of the public are asked to observe the rules decorum. Council rules of procedure outlined decorum expected in chambers can be found on our website at copies of the back of the room and is summarized on the back of the speaker slip. For instance, use of swear words, yelling from the audience, physically threatening conduct and displays of disrespect are discouraged. The presiding officer requested a person cease disruptive conduct and if not immediately stop, the presiding officer will direct the person to leave the room. We do have two minutes to address the council, so we're a little out of sorts today. So yeah, please, um, if you may, you don't have to, but if you'll let me know your name that way, I can remove your speaker slip. That's right. We'll do it a little bit differently, but it's okay. Go ahead. My name is Kathleen Kuklis. I come to you as a property and business owner in District 2. Additionally, I'm a grant writer and grant panelist, and I have feedback about the grant funding available to my district. I'm going to start with the facade improvements grant. The current guidelines for accessing grant funding for facade improvements has limitations. Business or property owners must have street frontage on Marysville Boulevard or Del Paso Boulevard to be eligible. However, this excludes several vital businesses and properties situated in alleyways and offshoots from these main boulevards. For instance, the Roberts Family Center, a pillar in our community, is just 300 feet away from Del Paso Boulevard, but doesn't meet the strict criteria for funding. Moreover, there are seven properties lining Leah Alleyway, which serves as a crucial walkway near the heart of our economic activity. Unfortunately, these properties, despite being less than a city block away from Del Paso Boulevard, are ineligible for funding due to the lack of street frontage. 
I propose expanding the guidelines to encompass properties and alleyways and offshoots from Del Paso and Marysville Boulevard and considering nonprofits or social enterprises within a specified proximity to ensure broader community inclusion. It's important to note that the current funding focuses solely on superficial exterior enhancements to the physical appearance of properties. However, this is a historic community that requires structural upgrades. Another challenge is the 50% match requirement for grants. For businesses seeking the maximum grant amount, this necessitates a match of 12,500, which could be financially burdensome. The next grant I'd like to speak about is the Transformational Reinvestment Grant. Grant funds are dispersed on a reimbursement basis. Additionally, the timeline for implementation is limited to one year, which might pose constraints for potential large-scale infrastructure projects. I propose three crucial modifications to enhance the effectiveness of the grant funding. Um, one is to propose, I'd like to propose um, more inclusive guidelines to Thank consider you for your properties. Comments. Your time is now complete. Our next speaker, please. Good evening, council members. My name is Christine Jefferson, and I am, I live in D District 2. I am a homeowner and a taxpayer, and we just had uh, the, this weekend torrential storms with no close warming station for the unhoused. And since this district, this council is dumping all the unhoused in our community, how inhumane is that? Where did the, you think those people went? With tents pouring, my house was shaking. So I can only imagine if I lived in a tent, what that felt like. You guys, um, when you put some all the unhoused in in our community, and then you treat them without humanity, that's just wrong. The nearest warming station was on Auburn Boulevard. I talked to a homeless woman today, and Katie, I'm really upset with you right now for uh, thinking that it was okay to take um, 66 positions from the new housing, the new tiny homes over here off Roseville Road in our community. Right. You guys have put so many unhoused in our community. Right. We should have had first dibs on that, right. not your community, because you wanted your park back. Well, guess what? We want our parkway back. We have cars and drugs, and our kids can't even there. One of my friends just got bit by a dog trying to walk on the bike trail the other day. I'm sure that doesn't happen in any of your communities. It's just wrong. It's wrong. And this homeless lady that I was talking, unhoused lady that I was talking to today, she said she's on every list there is. She has yet to be offered a house over there off of Roseville Road. How does District 4 get all the positions free first and we get nothing? We have a lot of women. Thank you for your comments. Your time is complete. Next speaker, please. Hold on please. one second. I just, I, I just want to say that was not Councilmember Valenzuela's decision. I just want to say that publicly. No, it was not her decision, okay? Next speaker. Next speaker, please. Go ahead. I'm a member of District 2, and I first want to say thank you to Maivang and Lisa Kaplan for supporting our district with some decisions that have been made. I'm so hurt and I'm really appalled from Katie Valenzuela, Katie Maple, Eric Guerra, Rick Jennings, and Karina Telemontes. I thought you guys were our friends, and I thought you guys supported D2. But it's a lot of smiles today, but we got a lot of tears in our community. It's so unfortunate 
that people have been peeling their nose in our business just to hurt us and not to help us. We're human, we have dignity, we have morals and values. We're taxpayers, but this campaign has been very brutal to us. That anybody feeling any type of, any type of sorrow for us has been nothing but hurt. From the homeless camps, so we can't even get the basic necessities agreed by city council for district two. But you come and you beg us for your support. You beg us to us to walk for you. But just know this, everybody that hurt our district, we have opponents that we're gonna walk with and we're gonna campaign to help support them to replace you. And, and be mindful that you're trying to hurt D2, we keep receipts. So no matter what you think today, your leadership has been so ineffective for our district. Next speaker, please. Uh, my name is Greg Jefferson. I'm the president of the El Paso Heights Unit, uh, Community Association. I have put that on the screen. Okay, I don't know if it's upside down or. Okay. Turn it the other way. Turn it around. Uh, pay attention to the highlighted portion, if you will. We were told in District 2 that uh, regarding the interim uh, a councilman's uh, uh, seat position, that no current city council candidate can run for the seat. That's what we were told. But when the application came out, as you see on the screen, it says candidates currently running for office of council member may be considered for entering an appointment, must be have their application in, uh, no exceptions. So that is a contradiction to what we were told. Um, if you leave this language in the application process, we want you to include this. This is where we have a problem. In the event that the, the, there's a runoff, neither of the current uh, runoff candidates are eligible for the interim, interim council right. appointment. That's right. We want that in writing, That's that right. in the event of a runoff, right. the top two council member, council candidates cannot be appointed to the interim Ooh. council seat That's because right, right is right and wrong is wrong. I got 40 seconds left. We asked the mayor to unfreeze the uh, district two staffs uh, uh, from their, their positions right now so that they can carry on the work of the district while the rest of this is worked out. Having them only able to answer the phones is no benefit to the, uh, us, the constituents. We need you to unfreeze their ability to do more than just answer phones. Finally, as Kelly said, uh, uh, any council member up here that continues to vote against the interests of District 2, we are taking notes and we are keeping receipts. And when your seat comes up, we are going to support whatever councilman, council candidate. Thank you for your comments. Your time is complete. Thank you for your comments. Your time is complete. Please take your seat. Please take your seat. No, Mr. Worthy. No, I asked for the double. No, sit down. I asked for the double. No, you will speak in a few minutes. I'll call you in a few minutes. Not right now. Thank you. Not your time. No, sir. Organizing the meeting. Thank you. Not saying, Mr. Bliss. No, this is from. We wanted to hear from the folks of North Sacramento. Now I want to hear. Now we're going to go to the next, to the next part of the hearing here. We're gonna. On which issue, ma'am? On which issue? Um, matters not on the agenda. I understand. Well, I'm, gonna, I'm sorry, but you're going you're, you're gonna to have to wait. We're going to call you. We're going to call you, but you have to wait. That's all. You have to wait. We are now going to um, 
proceed, as I had suggested earlier, with up to one hour for... for Mr. Davis, Mr. Davis, sit down. Sit down, Mr. Worthy. Sit down, please. You, 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 you have plenty of opportunity to speak. Now, here's what we're going to do. Um, the, those who are here to speak in favor of ceasefire resolution, um, there's a list now, thank you, of 15 people who we're going to call up to testify, and then we're going to have 10 people who are against the resolution are coming up to testify. Maximum of two minutes apiece. And let us begin. Call from the list. Mr. Davis, you will be called. Mr. Davis, read the warning. Please do not disrupt the orderly conduct of these proceedings by continuing to speak out from the audience. You are now in violation of Chapter 5 of the City Council Rules of Procedure. If you continue, you will be directed to leave the meeting. Do you understand this warning? Please do not disrupt the orderly conduct of these proceedings Mr. by continuing to speak from the audience. You are now in violation of Chapter 5 of the City Council Rules of Procedure. If you continue, you will be directed to leave the meeting. Or Mr. We Davis and Mr. Worthy, are you going to sit down now? Or are we going to ask you to leave? We are going to recess now for 10 minutes. I want Mr. Davis and Mr. Worthy out of the chambers. We're back in session after recess. Uh, the way that we're going to proceed after some consultation here is we're going to we're going to s start with uh, people who are here on, again on items not on the agenda who oppose um, a resolution or at least a particular form of the resolution. We'll take we'll take ten of those speakers first, and then we will hear from fifteen uh, who have been selected on the pro uh, resolution perspective. And now let's go. Thank you. I'm going to call a few names. Rabbi Ben Hermond, Eric Weisenthal, Matt Friedman, Rabbi Evan Rubin. You can all line up, by the way, if you would like, um, however you want to do it, whatever is. <clears throat> go, go ahead. Rabbi Ben Herman. Is Rabbi Herman here? Thank you. Eric Weisenthal, Matt Friedman. Please proceed. Good evening, Mr. Mayor and City Council members. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to speak. Uh, my name is Eric Wiesenthal. My family and I have lived in Sacramento for 30 years. I want to recognize the efforts by Mayor Steinberg to walk a very fine line concerning the range of issues on the Israel-Gaza war. Many of our communities have experienced direct and indirect impacts of this war. Like many people, I'm horrified by the events of October 7th and very angry and frustrated by the actions of the Netanyahu regime. I applaud the mayor's work. I applaud the mayor's work to promote direct and honest communication involving all of our concerned groups and individuals. Unfortunately, this has been a thankless task. We also have seen actions to harass at least two council members 
outside their homes and accusations that the mayor is condoning and supporting genocide. These actions, in part, can have the effect of undermining the long-time communication and community-building efforts that are the hallmarks of Sacramento's civic life. Moving forward, I urge all groups to continue expressing their concerns about this tragic situation, but not at the expense of much-needed connection with one another and our efforts to move forward as a city. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Matt Friedman is our next speaker. Good evening, Mayor Steinberg and members of the council. I am Rabbi Matt Friedman. I live in Midtown in council member Valenzuela's district. And this is a very difficult situation. On October 7th, Yael Leibashur, a friend of my daughter's, was killed by the Hamas terrorists. At the same time, we've all seen the news reports regarding what's happened in Gaza, and we all feel very deep sadness over all the deaths in Gaza, as well as those that have taken place in Israel. I wonder really if a resolution is going to help us here in Sacramento. Yes, we want to express our thoughts, but truthfully what we need to do is begin to work to heal this community that has become deeply divided. I urge that the council stand back from the initial desire to make a resolution that is almost impossible to formulate that all will find acceptable and rather take up efforts to work together to understand each other's hurts and pains and understand a very long history that has taken place preceding these events and are happening now. Our goal, all of us, I believe, is to have a peaceful community here and a peaceful community across the world, especially in the Middle East. I urge this, this council again to take note and take pause and consider duly maybe holding off and letting the community work together to resolve these issues. I wish you luck. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you for your comments. Rabbi Evan Rubin, then Marianne Leaf. Uh, good evening, Mr. Mayor and members of the council. I'm Rabbi Evan Rubin, and I am the current president of the Sacro Sacramento Board of Rabbis. Um, as any of us on both sides of this issue uh, can say, I am I am personally affected by the events of October 7th and beyond. My mentor and his family uh, reside in Israel and have suffered losses as a result of this conflict. My childhood rabbi uh, resides in Israel and has suffered losses uh, from this conflict. And I think on some level we all have suffered losses on both sides uh, from this conflict. And it is a very personal issue for all of us and I, I want to uh, acknowledge the words of my, of my predecessor, Rabbi Matt Friedman, in saying that this resolution and its construction, uh, it's a very slippery slope, and I can appreciate why, no matter what the council does, uh, it is uh, guaranteed to induce anger from one side, if not both, uh, by trying to produce an, a resolution that will, solve, uh, that will solve everybody's needs. I commend Mayor Steinberg for his effort uh, to begin and to instill the idea of conversation uh, between our communities. I was part of the meeting that Mayor Steinberg mentioned earlier, and I intend to be a part of the continuing conversation along with the mayor and along with my colleagues on both sides. Uh, that for me is the biggest issue that we need to resolve is our abilities to talk with each other, uh, not shout at each other, not scream at each other, but indeed talk to each other about what is truly the, the issue at hand, which is 
healing both of our communities. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next speaker is Marianne Leaf, then Jason Weiner. Dear city council members, Mayor Steinberg, my name is Marianne Leff. Thank you for making the time to hear diverse voices from our community. I stand here this evening representing the Jewish Federation of the Sacramento region, where I am currently the co-president. We come to you to support our elected officials who have been subjected to hateful speech and threatening actions and protests, even occurring at the homes of our mayor and Jewish member of the city council. This is unacceptable. In response to the conflict between Israel and Hamas, the escalation of such tactics fuels both anti-Semitic and Islamophobic rhetoric, and we condemn and denounce this kind of free speech. Active diplomatic dialogue is occurring as we speak in the Middle East, including a ceasefire proposal offered by Israel, the United States, facilitated by Qatar, as reported in the New York Times and other major media outlets this week. We here in Sacramento are best served by engaging in constructive, respectful discourse with empathy and a commitment to peace. We are not served by resolutions that become divisive as we disagree and argue on the purpose and the language. The Sacramento Jewish Federation is dedicated to creating a community where diversity is celebrated and every individual feels safe and respected. Join us in rejecting hate speech and let us work together towards a more inclusive and understanding society. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Jason Weiner, then Rabbi Garth Silberstein. Good evening. Uh, thank you to Mayor Steinberg and council members. Uh, my name is Jason Weiner. I'm the chair of the Jewish Community Relations Council, a volunteer community relations organization that represents and supports members of our Jewish community and builds relationships in and uplifts the larger community in the Sacramento region. Uh, today, I want to extend our gratitude to Mayor Steinberg for his leadership in promoting dialogue, mutual understanding, and interfaith connections in our community. While there are real and important differences between different parts of our community about the war between Israel and Hamas and what the city should do in response, we all must recognize each other's humanity and the very real pain felt by many Sacramentans. I also join Marion in saying that it's important to speak up and condemn the hate speech and threatening actions that have been directed at Mayor Steinberg and Councilmember Kaplan over just the past week and a half. Signs equating Jewish political leaders as KKK members and Nazis and disruptive demonstrations in the middle of the night at their family homes should be unacceptable in our community. This escalation of hostility, especially in light of the extreme rise of anti-Semitic and Islamophobic hate, is both alarming and harmful. I am committed as a leader of my community and someone who's been involved in interfaith dialogue and, and relationship building in Sacramento for more than a decade to trying to find common ground in our shared humanity, to building one-on-one -on -one relationships with others, and to supporting each other through hard times. I look forward to more opportunities to do so. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Rabbi Garth Silberstein. My name is Garth Silberstein. I am a past president of the Sacramento Board of Rabbis, and I have lived in this area, the Sacramento area, uh, since I was born uh, on and off. 
And I wanna thank uh, all of the council members for all of the amazing work you do to try to help this community grow and, uh, and thrive. And I'm sorry that this issue, which is not part of your mandate and that you have no power to actually impact uh, is taking time away from the very important work that you should be doing here at home and that uh, you would otherwise be doing. And I'm very sorry for the council members who've been targeted uh, by demonstrations at your homes. I think uh, it's outrageous. And I just wanna urge the council to leave international politics to bodies that actually have some power to affect those issues and use your time uh, for what you actually can make an impact on here at home. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. I'll turn to the folks at um, resolution supporting a ceasefire. I'll call off the first few names. Bossom, Maquise, Jessica, then Liv. Good evening, Mayor, um, City Manager, and Council Members. Recently, I, I wrote to uh, all of you um, in, in a form of an op-ed uh, discussing the situation. Sacramento is my home. It's uh, where I raised my children, uh, built my career as a civil rights advocate, and won public office to serve the community. Um, I sat up there for about six years uh, serving the city as the uh, police review co um, commissioner. And as someone, you know, but I'll tell you, you know, being here, born in California, but I never once forgot where my family came, came from, and that's uh, and where many still live, that's Gaza. Uh, as someone who has suffered the consequences of the ongoing crisis in Gaza, I, I implore our political leaders in Sacramento to act. A resolution calling for a ceasefire is essential as it, is, it will apply pressure on our federal leaders to act quickly to save innocent lives on all sides. For me and so many other Palestinian Americans, Gaza is not a site of a distant crisis. Gaza hits home right here in Sacramento. So far, 74 family members have been killed in the Israeli government's attacks on Gaza. Dozens more are missing. The number of family members who have been killed in recent attacks does not include the relatives who have died, who have died as a result of the Israeli government's medieval siege on medical supplies and attacks on hospitals. Uh, deprived of essential medical supplies, my cousin Noor died of thyroid cancer, leaving behind three children under the age of seven. Um, just yesterday, um, Hamda Al-Qarra, she passed away. She, she, was a di she was diabetic. She didn't have ac access to insulin. For my surviving family members, daily life in Gaza is a, is a desperate struggle to stay alive. They struggle for basic necessities, food, water, healthcare, and basic hygiene supplies, such as menstrual pads and diapers are scarce. What my family has suffered is not unique. The Israeli government has killed over 26,000 Palestinians in just four months. Over 12,000 of the victims have our children, over 65,000 wounded. Thank you for your comments. Your time is complete. Our next speaker is Maquise. Good evening. I stand before you today with a shared concern from our community's well-being. Our mayor expressed intention to call a ceasefire a few months ago. Myself, along with others, met with the mayor on numerous occasions in which he stated that even if those within his community didn't agree, he would do the right thing and call for a ceasefire. He mentioned that the, that was important to healing our community. 
However, the recent shift after objections from some within the Jewish community raises questions. The mayor, using city letterhead, sent a letter to selected groups within the Jewish community in which he mentions he will slow down in discussions. Who slows down during a siege and a genocide? Where was our personalized letter? Our letter was published in the news and paper, newspaper for all to see, unlike the other one. You chose to take a step back. You chose to slow down. Your letter mentions disrupted civic meetings as if the people have occupied this chamber week after week. As a matter of fact, I told you specifically that we have told the community we are working with the city and not to come down here in masses and ask to ask you to do um, to ask you to do something that you are already working on. Them being upset today is not on them. It's on the decisions that were made with shortening time and the number of speakers. And they've not only upset this community, but others who wanted to speak on other things. Moving forward, it is crucial that our leaders demonstrate unwavering resolve in their words and action. To rebuild trust, we must engage in honest dialogue, understanding the concerns of all communities involved. We have remained authentic. But with the last round of edits done on that resolution, you just know that we will, that will be something we won't support. And to bring that specific resolution up for vote will never unite this community when one side does not feel it is fair. It is going to cause a further divide. I urge you to revisit the resolution proposed by City Council members Katie Vansuela and Mai Vang. Thank you. Your comments? Our next speaker is Jessica. Jessica, Liv, then Haitham. This is Jessica and Liv together with for two people, four minutes. Does that work? You get two minutes. You get two minutes each. Please proceed. Mayor, Council, and also the JCRC and the Jewish Federation. We are proud Jews in support of this ceasefire resolution, the original, and our Palestinian neighbors. We represent descendants of Holocaust survivors, people with family in Israel, biracial Jews, Jews active in the community, and unaffiliated Jews. We were raised on many Jewish values, like one who saves a life saves the world, pursue justice, repair the world, respect that all humans are made in divine image, and very importantly, to question. Mayor, you must stop blocking change. Stop complaining anti-Zionism with anti-Semitism. Israel's war on Gaza is an issue appropriate for this city council. They are your constituents. You should be moved by their pain, wisdom, and needs from you in this awful time. This is the most personal form of democracy. Local pressure is crucial for moving the national conversation. By fostering open dialogue, cultural exchange, and a commitment to diplomacy, we can build bridges and envision a world where diversity is celebrated and conflicts are resolved without resorting to violence. There is no solution in war. Too many Palestinians are dead and dying for being Palestinian. Jewish safety cannot, is not, and will not be predicated on stepping on the necks of Palestinians. Those of us who are Jewish are actively changing what it means to be a Jewish person in the U.S. We are in solidarity with Palestinian people. Understanding our healing is interconnected. Understanding they are the ones to determine what free Palestine means. Our liberation, our liberation is tied together. None of us will be free until all of us are free. Thank you.
We have Liv, Haitham, Shadi, and Reem. My name is Haitham Bisharat, Haitham Maurice Bisharat. I'm a second generation Palestinian American born at Sutter, Sutter Memorial Hospital, a mere 30 blocks from here. The story of how my family arrived in the United States sounds similar to many of those standing before you here tonight. My grandfather, Maurice Hanna Bisharat, and his siblings came to the United States in the, in the 1940s. We lost rights to the family home in Jerusalem because of Israel's absentee property law, the main law reallocating to Israel property belonging to Palestinians who left, were forced to flee, or who were deported in the 1948 Al-Nakba, the catastrophe, when, mo when almost overnight, nearly one million Palestinians fled from what became the state of Israel. Historically, my family is Greek Orthodox Christian. Sacramento's sister city is Bethlehem, where roughly 30% of the citizens are Christian. The city of Bethlehem canceled its annual Christmas celebration last December in solidarity with the people of Gaza. The suffering of their Muslim and Christian brothers and sisters too much to bear to celebrate even their savior. Multiple churches in Gaza have been bombed since October the 7th. Hundreds of people taking shelter in those churches, Muslims and Christians alike. These are human beings with children like my children's names, my brothers, my friends, like many of those in this room, like mine. Can any of you look us in the eyes and tell us that our lives must be justified? Palestine, Palestinians should, shouldn't have to either. It absolutely has to stop. And you wield the influence to help make that possible. I urge you with every ounce of my being to reconsider tabling the draft resolution for a ceasefire in Gaza. I will find it appalling and inhumane if you don't. Our next speaker is Shadi Reem Amira. Next speaker, please. Thank you, fellow council members. Uh, Mayor Steinberg, you have shelled the Gaza ceasefire resolution calling it one side, which was put forth by our courageous council members. I feel that watering it down to being one side is incredibly troubling as a humanitarian catastrophe is unfolding. We are 120 days in the Gaza siege. Each day, families are torn apart. Lives of an axis of 27,000 humans have been lost, while 2.2 million face imminent risk of famine. While you refuse to put the resolution on the agenda due to being one-sided, over 200 people are dying, are dying each day. Okay, Mayor, we hear you. You have stated in your op-ed that there may be no alternative, but for you and your colleagues to bring forward a fair resolution that reflects the views of most of the people in our city. Speaking for myself, I encourage you to put forward this resolution. The great city of Sacramento is heralded as the most diverse city for over 20 years running. I am imploring you to draft a proposal that best reflects the community as a whole, rather than a sub-segment that may pull economic strings. Today I am joined by members of the community whose families have been impacted by, and escaped war, survived famine, ethnic cleansing, and genocide. Knowing these strategies, we are here to align the forces of justice to contribute to peace. I trust you have the pulse on this diverse community and will draft a resolution that can be thought of as fair and balanced to represent this community. Engaging in respectful debates can be had. Finally, we are told that you are being, we are being heard, yet, set that, yet see that no action is taking place at a higher level. 
You pushing for a resolution deemed fair by you and the council members is a starting point and urge that stand, you stand on the right side of history. Thank you for your time. Mayor Steinberg, council members, good evening. Let me start by saying that there is no excuse for harming innocent civilians anywhere in the world, despite Islamophobes' claims that Muslims do not value peace, but we do value peace and despise violence. Why should we accept the punishment of 2.1 million civilians in Gaza to serve the hidden agendas of corrupt politicians? Why should we allow mutilation and killing of children in Gaza to help Netanyahu, a warmonger and peace denier who was actually a major proponent of the U.S. invasion of Iraq? Why flatten Gaza for someone who was glad that Hamas got elected to justify sieging Gaza? Someone who still uses Hamas as a pawn to divide and conquer. Someone who actually explained in details what we're seeing today in a leaked video years ago. How many hostages returned as, as a result of the carpet bombings and attacks on, Gaza, uh, on innocent civilians in Gaza? Zero. Mayor Steinberg and council members, let's face it, the ongoing bombing and attacks aren't helping anyone on either side. Until when will it be acceptable for innocent civilians to be victims of the arms industry and those who profit from wars and violence? Why, while we remain hopeful and have confidence in God, we are tired. We're tired of seeing our brothers and sisters slain daily in Gaza and the West Bank. We continue to request a ceasefire resolution because we cannot take it anymore. If you value the Arab and Muslim community and our contributions as professionals, Mayor Steinberg and council members, please pass a ceasefire resolution. I'd like to end with Mahatma Gandhi's quote, an eye for an eye only ends up making the whole world blind. Thank you so much. Our next speaker is Amira, Patricia, Miriam, then Tanya. Amira, Patricia, Miriam, then Tanya. Please take a note. Okay. Please proceed. Is that Thank something you. that will show? Yeah, as soon as you start, I can put it up. A ceasefire resolution removed unilaterally twice from the agenda, people's voice silenced and time restricted. As a doctor in political science, I recognize this as an act of hijacking democracy. Mr. Steinberg, you contradicted yourself when you wrote on January 23rd, I don't believe the city council has any choice but to address the situation in the Middle East. But in a letter three days later, you blocked a ceasefire resolution because it's a foreign policy issue. Aside from this self-contradiction, when Sacramento alone sends $7 million to Israel while it commits its genocide, this can never be labeled as a foreign policy issue, but an act of local complicity in an international crime. And as a local Sacramento resident, I need to understand why the $7 million 
isn't being used for local issues, including housing, health care, education, and student debt, as shown in this infographic. And as a nonprofit executive working with local families that lost over 250 loved ones in Gaza using local funds, I cannot comprehend how you can invite the community to sit and have a dialogue while Israel finishes killing the rest of their loved ones. The resolution is one-sided, we were told, even though it condemns the loss of all lives. I only see support to one side in Israel, one side that orchestrated the assassination of Israel's crafter of the Oslo Accord, Yitzhak Rabin, and who is now leading the war cabinet that also kills and killed civilians during October 7th and is now killing injured soldiers in the battlefield the minute they become injured. Please proceed. I'm Patricia Doherty. I am. Uh, I belong to the Palestinian Task Force of the California Nevada Conference of the United Methodist Church, and I am a co-founder of Sacramento Bethlehem Sister City. Our commitment to people-to-people -people diplomacy calls us to create avenues in which to share our humanity, to foster mutual respect, all towards the larger goal of world peace. Sharing cultures can be a very rich experience, and it's exciting to bring cultural appreciation to our community. This is the lighter side of people-to-people -people diplomacy and people-to-people -people exchanges. The heavier side and the more profound when considering world harmony is a deepening realization that we live in a world where structures and systems hold some people to be more valuable than others. And that's exactly what we're seeing here now. Somehow the lives of Palestinians Gazans specifically don't matter enough. Experts have repeatedly warned us of impending famine, of genocide. The ICJ has put the world on notice. Yet instead of facilitating a ceasefire, our government, in unabashed cruelty, is cutting off life-saving funding for the UN Relief Works Agency. Without it, Gaza is sure to suffer a full-blown famine. One has to ask, is this the intent? We know that the events of the last four months take place within a larger historical context. We also know that we are in a crisis moment, the proportions of which demand immediate action. It is a moment which we will reflect, which does reflect the condition of our collective humanity. Israel has unleashed unlawful lethal force against Palestinians in the occupied West Banks, carrying out unlawful killings and displaying, to quote Amnesty International, a chilling disregard for Palestinian lives. In these days, it is easy to feel disconnected from the actions of our federal government, and that is why we are calling you, Mayor and Council, City Council members, to adopt a resolution urging Thank our you federal for your government comments. to use your all time its is leverage. Complete. Thank you for your comments. Jude, and then Sarah. Speakers Miriam, Tanya, Jude, Sarah, Nor, then David. My name is Tanya Hoshua. I was born here in Sutter Memorial, it's no longer here. Bear with me, I came last minute, and I've been campaigning for a ceasefire since the beginning. I have family in Gaza, and I have my aunt. And my uncle is longer living in the Catholic Church in Gaza City, in North Gaza, taking refuge. 
and I lost my uncle, and then I have my family in the Orthodox Church where Israel killed and bombed my two aunts and their grandson in their hand. If the ceasefire stopped and you listen to us, to stop with be less deaths. Since when do people have to beg people to stop killing children? Since when is being anti-Semitic calling for ceasefire? And I guarantee we're, we're Christians in Palestine and we're Muslims in Palestine. I guarantee if it wasn't for the Zionist occupation, there'd be Jews in Gaza living together. And we can heal together, like the rabbi said earlier. We can heal together, but healing is not continuing bombing and killing children. 12,000 children. These are my children born and raised in Sacramento, second generation. We're going nowhere. We're going to be here until you stop killing. And you do have the, you have the authority to tell the world we stand for human life. Christian, Muslim, and Jewish, we're all alike. But if you don't, if you stand against ceasefire, you're not standing for human life. You're standing for some alternative motive. And we want to know what that motive is, and we want a statement what that motive is specifically. It's not anti-Semitic, and we want to know the reason why you're not standing by its um, um, mayor. And my kids can say something. Who has to say anything? I can't believe kids like myself in Gaza are being killed. The way I'm treated compared to the way they're treated is completely wrong. Thank you for your comments. Our next speaker is Miriam. <clears throat> Dear Mary Steinberg and council members, I want to share with you an analogy that caught my attention. If there is a mass shooter in a classroom filled with children, do you think law enforcement will bomb the entire classroom, let alone the whole school? Well, apply that analogy to what's happening in Gaza, a city that has more than 50% children. According to international humanitarian law, the principle of proportionality prohibits attacks against military objectives if they are expected to cause excessive harm to civilians or civilian objects compared to military advantages gained. Looking at what's happening in Gaza, this principle was bashed. According to Euromed Human Rights Monitor, 30,500 civilians were killed, 67,000 were injured, 2 million displaced, and the following was destroyed. 79,000 homes, 334 schools, 235 healthcare facilities, 478 mosques, and 199 destroyed heritage sites that UNESCO should have protected. Mayor Steinberg, in 2018, you gracefully accepted my request to interview you for a school project. One of the statements that I will never forget was your comment on racism, saying that, quote unquote, racism is the continued scourge of our society, that people still treat others differently and badly because of who they are. It is something that we have to continue to work to change. This made you a role model for me and my respect for you grew more. Mary Steinberg, I believe that passing a ceasefire resolution is a step towards fighting racism because it proves that the bloodshed among innocent Palestinians matter and that it is not okay. It proves that Muslims and Arabs here in Sacramento are heard and included. We need to pass a ceasefire resolution. It is not that hard. Let's prove that humanity and compassion wins. Thank you.
Sarah, Sarah Nor, and David. Jude, Sarah, Nor, David. As someone born and raised right here in the city of Sacramento, I speak on behalf of the tens of thousands of students and healthcare workers today. Today marks 122, too many days since the start of this genocide. We are tired of our ta tax dollars being spent on weapons targeting innocent civilians, nearly half of which are children. We don't want our money used for bombs that destroy homes, hospitals, and schools. We want our tax dollars to be used to aid the construction of every playground U.S. weapons demolished in Gaza. The rest of the school year was canceled because there are no schools and not enough children to attend schools in Gaza. I don't get to complain about a long day at work or a challenging homework assignment. You want to talk about October 7th. On October 7th, there were 36 hospitals standing in Gaza. Today, zero hospitals stand in violation of international laws. You spoke about your dear friend, Miss Lauren Hammond. May she rest in peace. Your friend, you described her as a hero who was one phone call away and who is now dearly missed. Our brothers and sisters in Gaza are our heroes. They are no longer one phone call away. I dearly miss the children who will never have the chance to experience the wonders of life or have an impact on others the way that Lauren did for you. Your concern regarding dividing the community is a definist fallacy. When one person tells you it's pouring rain outside and another tells you that it's a beautiful spring day, stop sitting here and listening to both sides and go look outside the window. <laughs> Do not use the name of my Jewish brothers and sisters or any other religion to excuse the murders of thousands. This goes against all morals, not in their name. So I urge you, Miss Susanna, Miss Lisa, Miss Karina, Miss Katie, Miss Mindy, Mr. Daryl, Mr. Howard, Miss Katie, Mr. Eric, Mr. Rick. The power is in your hands. Represent your people and demand a ceasefire. Your comments, your time is My name is Sarah Alzanoon, and I'm a Palestinian American. I've been a resident in Sacramento County for over 30 years. It would take my entire two-minute allotment to name all my dead family members. My grandfather's from Gaza. My grandmother was forcefully displaced in 1948. My relatives were being killed 40 years before Hamas was formed. My one-year-old cousin, Yasin Zanun, never learned to walk and never will because he was killed. Do you all understand how small and fragile a one-year-old is? His death certificate was printed one year after his birth certificate. This was completely preventable. His death was senseless and funded by our American tax dollars. With every day this genocide continues, I'm at risk of losing all of my remaining family members in Gaza. At one point, I was losing an average of one family member a day. 56 of my relatives were killed in 60 days, and yet I stand before council members who think that this is not important enough to put on an agenda. 
They would be alive today if there was a ceasefire. A ceasefire is straightforward and widely supported among many citizens here. And refusing to vote on this measure means neglecting our city's moral responsibilities. We are in a, the capital of California. Let's take a leadership stance. When you lay your head at night, I want you to try to imagine for one second how it would feel like to be in my shoes. Wouldn't you want your hometown to support a ceasefire if your entire family died and your own money funded it? I have two I have more speakers, Noor and David. But where to play it? How to play it? The video. You could put it on the display, uh, and once you start speaking, I can start it. I'm not going to speak. I'm just going to play it. Okay, can we rewind it because it's two minutes video? Can you just reset the clock because it's two minutes video? Please proceed. Stay. Don't go. Don't let that take you out. The group when returned. You, um, started leaving the chambers when someone was attacking me for uh, accusing me of being a racist. Your actions, your actions moved me. We may have different points of view, but there is more that binds us than divides us. And I want to say to you that I recognize your humanity. I condemn the deaths of all innocent people, including the well, Palestinians. I spoke about it with the mayor the next day. It was really one of the most powerful moments of my mayorship. Mayor Steinberg says he believes, quote, what they did is a model for how we might find a better way as people, as Sacramentans, as Americans, as people with strongly held beliefs, how we might listen better to each other, even while we disagree. I stand before you today to urge action on pressing matters that affect us all. The ongoing conflicts in Palestine, I implore you to consider the devastating impacts of violence on innocent civilians and the need of ceasefire. Palestinians and Israelis deserve to live without fear of bombs, rockets, bloodshed. It is our moral obligation to advocate for peace and diplomacy. I respectfully request that our city leadership sign a permanent ceasefire and gain the respect of their own people. I was going to start by saying assalamu alaikum, which means peace be upon you. When the word peace has lost its meaning, when humanity became genocide, when freedom became occupation, when staying became displacing, when living became killing, when nothing remains the same, when the the word lost its meaning and the sound of bombs began when killing of thousands of people sounds like nothing and the sound of ceasefire falling in. When we see millions of people around the world demonstrating and protesting and the blood of children spills, we're going to be asked what action have you taken, what we're going to say or explain. One more thing. Our, our, your time is complete. Our final speaker is David. Thank you for your comments. Your time is complete. Thank you for your comments. Your time is complete. Please take your seat. Please take your seat. Please proceed. Mayor Steinberg, <clears throat> Daryl. We've known each other for around 35 years, from when you were a union attorney before politics. Later, as a senator, you helped obtain state support for the legal aid program I directed. 
When you chaired the Jewish Community Relations Council back then, you boldly said that despite disagreement with our group's opposition to occupation and for Palestinian freedom, you believed we should have been included in the body that claims to represent the Jewish community. You lost that vote. I'd like to know what's changed. You wrote in your opinion piece Sunday that you have, quote, not been afraid to publicly criticize the Israeli government for its settlement policies. But I also heard you implicitly defend those policies at a small pro-Israel capital rally in fall, asserting, amazingly, that Israel strictly observes international humanitarian law. Do you not know that the G Geneva Conventions forbid population transfer into occupied territory? Not to mention home demolitions, collective punishment, expulsions, and the killing of more than 300 civilians in the West Bank since October. And then there's Gaza. The world gasps in disbelief and cries out at the war crimes, the crimes against humanity, the genocide being committed, being carried out before our eyes. So do most Americans, and we can assume most Sacramentans, including, I believe, most Sacramento Jews. You wrote in the B that you met with Jewish community leaders about a resolution, not any Jewish leaders who represent me. You say our interfaith communities are not talking to each other. Not true. Jews, Muslims, Palestinians, and other humans are linked in solidarity in this room and in the streets demanding a strong ceasefire resolution like ones issued in dozens of other U.S. cities to recognize the hurt in our communities and to send a message to Washington and the world that we demand an end to the killing, release all hostages and political prisoners, and a path your to comments, freedom your time for is Palestine. Complete. Thank you. Thank you all. I know I hear you. I take it all in very deeply. Let us hear from the other speakers who are here tonight on other items, not on the agenda. Thank you, Mayor. Um, let's see, Mark Eston Slayton, Jr. Is Mark still here? Bruce? Yeah. Bruce? Edso? Edgar? Edgar? Is this not on the ceasefire resolution? No. Please, then please come speak. Following Bruce is Lambert, Charles Faust, Gerald Landreth. Ready? Okay. Hello, my name is Bruce Edgar Slayton, Jr., and I'm the Minister of Blue Jew Ministries here in Sacramento. Ironically, but not, I've learned this God's plan for me to express why I needed to change the world around me. I'm homeless. I was made homeless due to a false domestic violence allegation that made me homeless for my home over 25 years, with no resources and no reason for why my best friend and soulmate, my wife, did this to me, as we've never had issues and allegations were easy, proof false, here I am. If you think you have no restriction to handle this, you're wrong. It causes mental health issues, suicide rates, incarceration rates, jobless, public benefits costs, health care costs, and every segment of the budget you struggle with each year. But that's the secondary reason I'm here today, as you'll be surprised how many homeless men are on the streets because of false domestic violence claims, and the youth awful on the street from the fallout, the rates are alarming. Since this happened in April 2023, I've, had, I've been doing grassroots ministry in the homeless communities and unhoused youth communities, getting them to public benefits, helping them register benefits, getting groups to folk food banks, being their voice and advocate when nobody else would. I've sat with them, heard their stories without judgment, revived way too many who have overdosed, 
and finding way too many who have died with no one there during the holidays. All too often I've missed curfews because a young lady, for example, would pop out of the bushes with no clothes or socks or shoes. I used my late night resources to find them safety and security for the night. I fed those hungry with warm food with every penny I've got, general or EBT while I had it, or gathering recycled material in the early mornings during the cold. I'm here to say one person can make a difference and what you're doing as council is not making the impact you could be. It's actually enriching those profiting off the poor and we are wasting resources instead of resolving the homeless situation, not only with affordable housing, but with attainable housing. Cost savings, common sense solutions, synergy between providers, cooperation and cost cutting at the government level with the numerous agencies you created that limits the impact of the end goal and the recipient. You keep holding these forums and request these studies, although we all we need to simply put things together with a vested interest in creating a responsive model. There's a few bullet points I put together to give you an idea of what you've been doing. Many in the homeless community encouraged me to run for mayor, I did, but it was $12,300 and homeless, you don't have that. Uh, run for the vacant uh, council member seats. And I believe there's a viable candidate I can work with. Thank you for with. your comments. Thank your you. time is complete. Lambert? Uh, I've, I've given you a copy of this. Thank you for your comments. Your time is complete. Yeah, thank you. Lambert Davis. <laughs> Following Lambert is Charles. Lambert, Charles, Jared, Barbara Ram, Mackworthy. I don't appreciate the mayor leaving. I have this Power. We can't hear you run the microphone. Please well, I, proceed. I can, I'm going to speak real good tonight. First of all, no, 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 no. First of all, I want to make sure that the Palestinians know that I sacrificed my freedom of speech to, for the better or the good. That's what I did. I was the first one to come in here. I know I was. And I was, well, whoever was, I was in the top three. And so was this man right here. You're sliding down a very slippery slope. City Council. Now you can play your little games that you want to play, but you may have handed it to me on a platter. Now, this says uh, City Manager's Report. I'm the only one in the city bold enough to have been promoting this. The reason why the city is in deficit is because we have not been kept in the loop. You should be kept in the loop about a $1.5 billion budget. And last week, uh, on Monday, I was at a race equity meeting, and I was approached by Lainey Milstein, and she came over to me after it was over and started harassing me inside here. We filmed it. It's on tape. You got a major problem inside the city manager's office. I think the city manager, all five of them should be terminated for racism, scandals that are continuously going on. And... Let me wrap this thing up. You're looking at a company, a black-owned company, Cheesecake Company, that's just been endorsed by the Better Business Bureau February 2nd, and we can't hardly get any money from the city manager's office, and there's people getting money that uh, have had many scandals, and we have had none. It says zero complaints against our family. You should be ashamed of yourself. Our next speaker is Charles, Charles Faust, Jared Landreth, Barbara Ram, Ben Mackworthy. Hello. I, um, the last couple weeks doing some outreach to homeless camps and some other stuff, and um, I had a large amount of donations that I had to facilitate moving. Someone wanted to donate a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of supplies to me. 
and I don't do that, so I had to hook up with some organizations to help move that. And so I spent a lot of time with different organizations that I don't usually do and different homeless communities that I don't usually do, and I learned a lot of stuff over the last couple of weeks, and I'm someone that's been doing this for decades and more seriously for five years, and every time I take on like a new part of this, it's so much that I come across and learn. And I think that's something that really needs to be done on an individual basis with your guys' offices is maybe just reach out to three homeless people in your district a month and learn what's really going on with them and what the setbacks are and what's keeping them from being housed. Because there's just some stuff that you'd never think about until you have these conversations. Like I said, I've been doing this for decades, and I didn't know some of the stuff that was going on and some of the challenges that were being had and the stuff that was needed and what some organizations need and what some don't and the storage issues. But it's just, it'd be really beneficial. And I know, I'm pretty sure Sacramento Homeless Union emailed a few guys about this too, of having one to five people that you're working with really diligently over a couple months to see what can be done and what's restricting them from being able to move out of homelessness. Anyway, I think that'd be really beneficial. So pursue that if you can. Thank you for your comments. Jared Landreth. Jared Landreth. Barbara Ram. Mackworthy. Okay, I haven't been here for a while, um, but uh, I have talked to um, uh, Mario Laura about the uh, problem that we have out in Altos Avenue. We still have a bunch of homeless there that should not be there. They should be in uh, regular housing and they put the, the uh, homeless in front of our houses. It's really not acceptable to really have that. It, to me, it's disrespectful to the homeowners out there, and they're just wondering what is going on. Um, well, we're at the point now that if something does not get done, uh, we're considering filing a lawsuit against the city. And maybe a portion of that money that we can take, we can put towards the homeless. So. But this has got to stop. What's going on out there right now has to stop. They're tearing up that trail out there. Uh, there's people walking down the trails with, with bats and sticks, and it's not a safe area for, for uh, people out there now. There's a lot of uh, drugs going on out there. Um, and with the drugs going on out there, we have also, uh, just, it's just, it's, it's insane. I, I've never, I've, I've moved here from Brentwood, and I've never seen a city that has ignored the problem of the homeless here so much as this city. It's just terrible. And you know what? We got thousands and millions of dollars in this country, and we're allowing these people to be out on the street. It's unacceptable. It really is. And this shouldn't be happening. And I don't understand why this is being neglected, because I've talked to you guys about this before, and it seems to be neglect on the city. That's all it is. It's neglect. Okay, this has probably been happening for some time. I have only been here for six months, but I guarantee you this has been happening probably for the last 10 years, and it's been ignored. And that's why you have a homeless problem that's as bad as it is right now. That's the only reason why it's like this, because you guys have neglected it through the city, and that's why you have a huge problem. You have other people coming from other cities, coming here to your city that are homeless because they're getting kicked out of the other complete. cities. Thank you. Barbara Ram, Max Worthy, Kelly Cooper, Kyle Williams, Barbara. Ah, finally. I do not do patient well, but. Okay, so I need the um, overhead. He was my opening. Katie Valenzuela's accomplishments, District 4. Hello, I need the overhead. There we go. 
Katie's accomplishments. Crime Reduction, Incident Response Team, Midtown Association, 35.4 million steps forward reports, Katie's housing success, aggressively prioritizing affordable housing, city and county. I got to keep going because I'm, you know, whatever. So I wanted to report on the police chief reports that crime is dramatically down. So I. 19% reduction in violent crime, 40% reduction in homicides and rape, 21% reduction in aggravated assault in the city of Sacramento is um, far outstripped the national average for crime reduction in the same time period. Incidents response team, thank you, Director Brian Pedro, 4,425,711 pounds of trash removed, all those calls received, all those calls closed, 388 rapid placements. Midtown Association reports 18% decrease in the number of homeless living outdoors, visible reduction in homelessness reported by community and business groups. Steps Forward says 38% increase in the number of people placed in permanent housing or temporary shelter, 55% increase people placed in shelter or from the street outreach. And Katie's Housing success, 1,571. Here they all are. Sunrisa, St. Clair, Ari Apartments, more and more. Off <laughs> and also the Office of Violence Prevention. I have to say, thank you, Katie! <laughs> Mackworthy, Kelly Cooper, Kyle Williams, then Jay Eldon. People, what I saw here tonight takes me Mackworthy. Back. What I saw here tonight takes me back to when I was 18 years old, Morris College. The reason I dropped out of Morris College in South, Central South Carolina. But says before that. Uh, I got a sister that's 90 years old in Delpass Heights and five nieces and nephews. It's a shame to see that nobody up there questioned the mayor of his rights to go over there and tell them who going to run for city council. Now, that's critical. And then when I look further, when they say go over there, come there, but who did he bring first to speak? The Jewish Federation. That's the same thing happened in South Carolina of uh, 60 movements. The reason black people don't have a damn thing now because they got sold out. Palestinians, they're going to sell you out. Yeah. That's what they're going to do. Yes. It's ridiculous to see that he's still doing the same thing. One, not one black Baptist preacher was in here tonight. One non-Methodist preacher was in here tonight. But he bring those people in here and spit these people up. People, whenever you need somebody to dialogue you, um, you've got enough of my cards to send out you. I'll sit down and go step by step a black sold out to 60 movements. That's when we ain't got shit today. Is Kelly? I believe Kelly's already spoken. Kyle Williams, Jay Eldon, Keon Bliss. Kyle, El Kyle Williams, Jay Eldon, Keon Bliss. 
Please proceed. Thank you. Um, we, we are a funny people. I've, I've heard this in many scenarios that there's 15 things to worry about in a city or a state or a federal government. And we have a tendency to worry about the top or the bottom four, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Homeless solutions seems to be doing the same thing. Does any of you, can you nod if you know what Blackstone is and what they're doing to your city and your state? Can anybody tell me up there? Can you please get to your governor and ask him why he's allowing Blackstone to buy every fourth or fifth home? If, if you talk to somebody that's business-minded, they can explain it to you. I'm going to leave two cards behind. I'm going to leave these behind. Look at this. It's really this simple. That and we make the border, you know, manageable or I don't mean open it or close it, but make it, you know, <laughs> at least follow the laws that we used to have at the border. Anyway, that's another story. If you did that and you kept Blackstone from buying every fourth or fifth home, the price of homes would come down and then people wouldn't be homeless. And... And they'd be able to afford homes. If you, if you follow the cycle of homes, they go up like this every eight or so years. 2010, they bottomed. They haven't bottomed for 14 years because Blackstone's buying every fourth or fifth home. And your governor is allowing it. At least your mayor ought to be able to call them and talk to them and ask them why. I'm going to leave these right here. Blackstone. And they're... BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street, they own 80% of everything. It's greed. It's terrible. We need to serve the people. So anyway, please consider that. And if men and women have the fight together to change society and both will benefit, partnership, not dependence, is the real, real romance in marriage. We need to work together, folks, men and women. Thank you. Our next speaker is Jay Eldon. Okay, um, I'm here to talk about the enforcement of unhoused encampments. Hello, council. Um, the city of Sacramento has a strong practice of removing unhoused people from public and private property. With limited time and aggressive tactics, the Sacramento police most uh, move people and most people lose their shelter and belongings. If you happen to be out shopping, for instance, Sacramento police will throw away everything you own while you come home to find nothing. This is a forced displacement and collective punishment, and it's called a sweep. On any given week, the city of Sacramento sweeps around 56 encampments. That's hundreds of people. Rain or shine, the Sacramento Homeless Impact Team spends the city's budget bashing our unhoused community with unlimited overtime. People are dying, suffering irreparable, irreparable damage. This increased enforcement was set into place last August to coincide with the plan to give people a place they could camp when they were forcibly displaced. That's on Howard Chan. Empty lots that city that Howard Chan would I, would <laughs> empty lots that city manager Howard Chan would open to the homeless community would need would mean more camps like camp resolution would exist. Um, lots have been empty forever. There's right. empty lots everywhere. They need to open up these lots and start opening up these churches. And churches need to stop giving out old food and they need to stop bullying us around it. If we do have to move, give us more time. 24 hours is not enough time to move everything that I own. Everything. How many times have you moved in the last few weeks? I've moved seven times in the last few weeks. Seven times. Out of sight, out of mind. I don't want to be in front of anyone's houses, so I'm on the river, and they make me move from the river. That's, that's horrible. Well, what do you have, and you have to move now? I have 24 hours to move. Just today. 24 hours to move out of this area, off of this street. 
not in, out of the area, off of the street. And what, what worries you, like, the most with all that? Uh, my dogs. Get over here, Django. Grab him. Him, him breaking the leash and, you know what I mean, just things worry me is the weather, you know, my family. And uh, if we have more time. Keon Bliss. Keon Bliss. Keon still here? Keon? And I have four speakers that I'm not sure if the, you are um, not speaking on the ceasefire resolution. Natalie, Mack, Julius Giles, or Guy Stevenson, and only if it's not on the ceasefire resolution. Please proceed, Mr. Bliss. Unless the, you know, if you had simply agendized a ceasefire resolution earlier tonight, like your colleagues wanted you to, you wouldn't, you could have legally limited people the way you tried to do tonight. But unfortunately, you wasted people's, uh, like people's time, up to an hour of time, trying to restrict people to this one topic, knowing full well it's in violation of the Brown Act. <laughs> Off agenda comments are exactly that. Items not on the agenda, meaning that unless the commenters entered in that topic field spelled the exact same issue, generally speaking, even regardless of your, the city council's rules or procedures, they should be able to talk on that specific topic as long as it's terribly, like, care, carefully framed. But either way, all that you had to do was just agendize this and you could have saved yourself a bunch of time, a bunch of upset feelings, and, peop like, and people's trauma. Because frankly, instead of just listening to people and letting them talk, which is their right under the First Amendment and your job that you are all paid to do, you simply had police out here trying to be a presence to intimidate them and try to force them to limit how, many, like how long they could speak. You know, I've been talking about this for, like, for a while, but I don't really think that, any of you, like, that many of you are listening. Most of you are lawyers in the room and you understood that. You know how the Brown Act works. I know the mayor knows how the Brown Act works. But it seems as though you're daring people, like, rather than just working with people and actually having, this, like, having these conversations in the people's house, you would, rather, like, you would rather toy with them, try to intimidate them and scare them into leaving the chambers, which many people did, rather than deal with this traumatic experience and, for, and risk city resources in defending a lawsuit that could have easily resulted from it. When are you going to grow up about that? Your comments, what did your you time is complete. Really? Vice Mayor, I have no more speaker slips. Please listen. With that, we are now adjourned at 8.16 p.m.